Hey guys, and welcome back to the Why Are We Watching This Podcast. This week, Zach's burning for you and Sean's losing his mind over a deity because we're watching Hereditary. Hail Payman! What's up, guys? I'm Sean. And I'm Zach. And this week, we are watching 2018's Hereditary. This movie's a drama horror. It's rated R. It, it runs two hours, seven minutes, which it doesn't feel like it's that long. I'm going to say that. Yeah. Although it also kind of does. At times. I guess we'll get it. Feel, it. it does feel like it's longer than an hour and a half. True. I guess that's right. It, okay. But uh, it, but things do happen quickly. Like there's scenes that I always forget happen sooner in the movie than I realize. We'll we'll get into it because I actually think I I think I have a good way of addressing the time on this movie. Um, this movie was written and directed by Ari Aster, who also wrote and directed Midsummer. Mm-hmm. Great movie. <laughs> That's my review for that. Great movie. <laughs> Great movie. This has an IMDb rating of 7.3. It had a budget of $10 million. Did yeah, it do well in the box office? It did very well in the box office. This is actually A24's highest grossing film worldwide. Over $44.5 million made. It was $80 million. Oh, worldwide. No, I think that was box office. Well, right. Bo- worldwide box office. Oh, okay. Um, Because <clears throat> American gross was uh, 44.5. So half of that was just in America. Mm-hmm. The rest of the half was the whole world. That's crazy. Um, I have a very brief synopsis of this movie. Obviously, we're going to go over it, but because kind of a lot happens. There's a lot to unpack. Oh, this one. Uh-huh. Oh, you're liking saying that now. <laughs> it's a good way to express what I think uh, I mean. Yeah, I agree. A grieving family is haunted by tragic and disturbing occurrences. That's it. That wraps it up, right? Movie over. Um, we have Alex Wolf, who's... Uh, Nickelodeon's Naked Brothers Band. Prior to this, <laughs> we have Gabriel Byrne. Uh, I'm gonna go Gabriel Byrne in this. Who uh, End of Days with Arnold Schwarzenegger? He's in that. Mm. Plays the devil. Oh, we should watch that. That's a good movie. We should do that one. Um, we gotta get Schwarzenegger in the Illuminati. I think we only need like one more. Yeah, we yeah. really do. Uh, we'll get Van Damme in there too. Don't worry. Sure. Uh, we have t- <laughs> Tony Collette in this one. Yeah. Who was in Knives Out recently? That's a yes, great movie. We both Another really like that. Uh, and we have Millie Shapiro. Now, I'm not really familiar with her work. She did more Broadway stuff, it looked like. Stage Whoa. play stuff. She did work with um Alex Wolf on something prior, and Gabrielle Byrne worked with Alex Wolf on something prior. And uh interestingly enough, Tony Collette didn't work with any of them prior to this. Yeah, Gabrielle Byrne was in Naked Brothers Dad. Was he? No, he was in something with them. That's funny. Um, that's so funny. It's not that a thing, Sean. Like that. I know. It's not a thing. Uh, Naked Brothers Dad. Yeah. This. Uh, so at the request at the request of uh, Ari Aster, uh, Alex Wolf and Millie uh, Shapiro would go get lunch together in character. Now, while they were doing this, Millie would not speak at all. In character. Mm-hmm. And Alex would sit there with her up to three hours at a time talking, trying to get her anything out of her. Yeah. Can you fucking imagine hanging out with the little girl in this movie for 
any more than five minutes? I mean, when you meet his character, yeah, because he kind of blatantly, you know, like, he kind of treats her that way, too. Yeah, that's, but like, that's fair. It kind of sucks, because, like, he does try. Yeah. But, like, she, you know, she she doesn't really want to be there. It sucks that they get kind of get forced in that situation. Although... We'll get into that. Yeah, and there's a lot to there's a lot there's to a lot to unpack. Yeah. yeah, Patriot. Um, this movie is a Patriot. Goddamn. So this was a uh, originally intended to be a straight family drama. Okay. That's a weird thought to me. Although yeah. I mean, spoilers. Uh, you know the spoilers are coming, guys. Like you, just you gotta expect it by now. We'll we'll continue to say, but you know. But the yeah, I mean the real um, supernatural stuff doesn't really start occurring until the end of the movie. Although there, it's, mm. it's sprinkled in the first forty-five minutes. Yeah, I was much. gonna say. I mean, you see, you see quite a bit though throughout the whole movie. Even. Well, I, I, I'm gonna ask you a question though. Do you think that that thought is based on the fact that we've seen this more than once? Yes. Because I think the first time I wouldn't have thought so much. The first time I didn't. Right. There was so much I missed, and when I saw it the second time, I was like, "Oh." Mm-hmm. And then I listened to like a podcast about it, and I was like, "Oh shit!" And then the so this third time seeing it, I was like, "I think I get it." Right. It's interesting. Uh, yeah, I don't really know how this movie would have played out as a straight like family drama, unless it was like. More blatantly about mental illness, which I guess that's something we should maybe address. That's in the, the horror aspect is like kind of what makes it really interesting, though. For at least for me, like I, no, I agree. That like uh, the tension is mm-hmm. just. Although I still think that it could have had like thriller aspects in it. Sure, if did that because. Well, I mean they they tell you kind of outright in the beginning, which I'm going to get into this in a minute, but. She, like, explains the whole movie. Right in the beginning? Yeah. yeah when she goes to that first, uh, that meeting. You know what's funny? He, Ari Aster, who mm-hmm. wrote this, likes doing that. Because Midsummer does the same thing. There's a, um, uh, like a set of photos, uh, like a, what's a mosaic? Is that the word I'm looking for? Am I using that wrong again? It's a collage. A sort of collage <laughs> of, like, pictures uh, that explain the whole movie. Oh yeah, from like front. To end. Oh yeah, yeah. Because really every time you see that. the pictures, uh, that's right. Yeah. So I, that's interesting that he does that, but we learned that the mom who passed away in the very beginning, Ellen, uh, had DID, dissociative identity disorder. Yes. And so, a major theme in this movie, at least uh, that I read about, and also I think they're playing with, is. Uh, like mental illness running in the family. Yeah. <laughs> and now me saying, the title. That, me saying that isn't even like um, a spoiler really for the movie. I yeah, it's in the title. They're telling you Totally. It, but I think they're telling you right off the bat because the intro to the movie is uh, our main character essentially giving a uh, speech at someone's funeral. Once. <laughs> and she gives away a lot of like what's going on. Yeah, once you've seen it a couple times and then you hear her say that, you're like, oh, yeah. yeah. That's kind of what happens. Mm-hmm. So, um, 
Ari said about this movie that it is a story about a long-lived possession ritual told from the perspective of the sacrificial lamb. Yeah. That is a fucking cool quote. Yeah. Like, that's a cool concept. To, like... It's very... Uh, thematically ties into, like, what we've been doing with the cosmic horror mm-hmm. uh, this season. But it's so... I will even say Lovecraftian because he did that kind of stuff. Right. That's I'd so love cool. to see him take on some sort of... H.P. Like, Lovecraft of his own, like even like Call of Cthulhu or something. Well, that's that's what I was gonna say. Is it reminds me of uh, At the Mountains of Madness a little bit. Yeah. Uh, which I think he and Guillermo del Toro should work on together. That would be dope. That would be cool because yeah. I know Guillermo's been working for years or worked for years to get that off the ground and it never went anywhere. Yeah. Which I would love to see him really work on any love. I mean, I guess he kind of has with Hellboy. He's gotten some of that, but yeah, I want to see him do a direct adaptation of something. For sure. Um, I do too. That's what I'm saying. We didn't get a title credit in this movie. Did you notice that? We get a couple of production company names. Yeah. But no, no title. That is interesting. And I didn't notice that the first time. It's almost so it's like you have to kind of like forget about it. Yeah, it puts you right into it. Yeah. It, almost like uh, instead of saying like, well, and that's funny too because we we kind of directly get. Uh, put into a model house. Well, before that, something that's kind of important is the first thing you see is um, the, the cabin, the oh, treehouse. Do we get that before everything? I, I, I think so. I think you know, you, you're right. You, yeah, because they show they do the obituary, and then like the first thing you see is the cabin. Right, and it and does I, like this pan. I have the obituary here. I don't know that I necessarily need to read the whole thing. Ooh, but I paused it to read all of it, and I was like, interesting. It's very interesting. I, so I kind of think maybe we should go over it. Okay, so it's Ellen Taper Lee, 78, passed away after a prolonged illness at her daughter Annie's house on April 3rd, 2018. Beloved wife of the late Martin Lee, R.I.P., devoted mother of Annie Lee Graham and the late Charles Lee, R.I.P., cherished grandmother of Peter Graham and Charlie Graham. She is also survived by her son-in-law, Dr. Stephen Graham. She will be missed, reposing at Kingstone Funeral Home Friday, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Funeral service to be held on Saturday at Spring Blossom Cemetery. Damn, I didn't even, like, fucking stutter. That was nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that's... That tells you a lot about these characters going into it. That This main character, Annie, who... That's another thing I wanted to talk about. Who's the main character in this movie? Annie. I don't know. <laughs> it's hard to say, right? Because it, you could say it's Peter. Which I think is the easy, like, answer. Kind of. Because he's the one that survives till the end. Although, technically, does he, right? Because of what I happens. argue that it's Annie because of, well, movie's called Hereditary. Mm-hmm. And she explains a lot of things about her mother that you realize, like, she does. Oh, absolutely. And so, like, that's the thing is she talks about being blamed. And you have to watch her do stuff. And you're like, oh, yeah, well, that kind of sucks that they're blaming you. But at the same time, it's like, well, from their perspective, though, I can totally see. Right. So you mentioned this opening where it's in the cabinet. uh, Or we see the treehouse. Yeah, sorry. I kept calling it a cabin. 
That's funny. So yeah, we see the treehouse out the window mm -hmm. with the the red light on. Mm -hmm. Okay, which is a very eerie image, and it comes back throughout the movie. Uh, wait, was oh, was no, the, no, red, the light? red light's not on because it doesn't until after an event. Yeah. Um, sorry, we just see it, but the red light is an image that kind of was ingrained in me mm -hmm. after watching this again. No, I know exactly what you're talking about. Uh, but yeah, so we get a slow zoom through this this. Uh, attic, I think is what it's supposed to be, but it's Annie's work room. It's her art. It's a room. It's not the attic. But it's where she works on her models. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and then the camera zooms into the room of one of them, and it's Peter's room. Right. And so I think that's why it's an easy answer to say, oh, it's about Peter, because it opens with Peter and ends with Peter. Sure. Okay. Um, and I think that that's also maybe a valid argument, but I do think that Annie is the main character in this movie, because I think it's about her descent and also, uh, you know, we kind of or hinted at this already, but this movie, and I wrote a note about it uh, kind of at the end of my notes, um, this movie's sort of playing on the idea of generational abuse mm -hmm. as well as mental illness in the way that uh, in trying to cope with our, uh, maybe mental, uh, mental illness but also abuse from, like, one's parent, you're... In doing so, abusing your own children. Right. It's like when you see somebody treat their children the way they've described how they were treated by their parents, and it's... Uh, it's completely it's, inadvertent, though. I know. It's very interesting. It's very interesting. So, this... And, and uh, Ari said that the end of this movie represents how trauma can transform a person, and that it's not necessarily for the better. And so... And I think it's okay to say that now because that still doesn't really give anything away, but that's huge yeah. Like uh, as to what this is about. Now, this is also Ari's first movie, first feature-length movie. That's kind of huge, too. What did he do before Hereditary? He did a short film. Oh, that's right. He Yeah, he, he did a few things, I think, but they were all like stuff I didn't know. So, yeah, he did a short um, that was kind of praised, and it's about a father who is being sexually abused by his son weird yeah it's very weird okay uh but makes sense though because he's talking about he's playing with these ideas of generational abuse yeah and how like things are maybe not always as they seem or right. how like things can be backwards i mean midsummer is kind of doing the same not necessarily with the generational abuse but it's coping with trauma yeah that's what it's about too this very interesting it makes me wonder about ari <laughs> yeah because i didn't I didn't find anything about him having trauma with his parents, which, I mean, good, right? Yeah. But it's interesting that he's able to have this sort of empathy for that kind of thing. And, like, a really a good understanding of it. Well, and maybe like. he experienced it from a second view. Oh, sure. I from mean, the outside perspective. I have. So, like, I sure. can see that. And it's kind of easy to tell about that. But this, this movie was also inspired by, like, a real story. Um, Did you want to talk about that? Yeah, but I didn't have the whole thing down. I read it on the Wiki Wikipedia page, though, because I was trying to find, like, more insight to this movie. I couldn't find a lot other than this kind of, like, one thing, really. Well, uh, I think you are ref uh, referring to... There was an accident. Right. Uh... So you're talking about, um, did you want to save it? 
<laughs> well, I, I just had it in my notes for kind of when it happened. But essentially, there were two guys that were at a bar drinking, and they drove home. And yeah. one of them was throwing up out of the window. And I didn't the read other... that. I read that it was, like, very similar to what happens to... What's her name in the movie? Oh. Millie. Uh, shoot, dang. Uh, oh, shoot, dang. You know what's funny? Charlie. Charlie, yeah. So, well, what I the one I read was that it was um, two guys that were drinking. They were driving driving home. The drunk guy was driving home, and the other one was hanging out the window to puke. And they he hit one of the. Um, I mean, that support, makes sense. The support lines that holds up the post. Yeah. Was actually what took the guy's head off. Mm. Which that's so brutal. And then mm. yeah, the other guy drove home drunk and didn't realize that his friend was dead. See, I read that he like fell asleep in the car and somebody walking by like. So let me pull up here. Let me pull that up. Really yeah, quick go then, ahead. Because that's weird. The script reflects a real-life incident from 2004 in Marietta, Georgia, in which John Kemper Hutcherson accidentally decapitated his childhood friend and passenger, Frankie Brome, on a telephone pole. After the latter had leaned his head from the vehicle to relieve the symptoms of his inebriation, um, Hutcherson then drove home with Brome's headless corpse in the car and fell asleep until a passerby walking with his toddler noticed Brome's body still in the truck the next morning and notified authorities. Yikes, dude. Can you imagine? Right. That's awful. I know. I feel like what happens in the movie is worse. Yeah. But. We should, let's hold on to, let's put a pin in that for right now because I kind of want to unpack Alex Wolf's, Peter's reaction to that. Okay. Um, Yeah, exactly. We, yeah. And that's why I was like, well, should we wait? But we'll get that out of the way and then we'll bring it back up. Yikes. Um, so yeah, we get this little zoom into the room, which is interesting. Um, it sort of alludes to the idea that the, we are seeing things from a grand, a, big, a grander point of view. Mm-hmm. Which is... Like a cosmic scale, kind important. of almost. Or right. omnipotent scale. It's very important. Uh, but it also gives away the, the fact that Annie, or somebody, works on models in the mm-hmm. house. Uh, we get Peter slept in, uh... There's a funeral that they have to go to, and Charlie, uh, she's up in the treehouse sleeping, mm-hmm. and they're going to be late because of that. Uh, this is a, kind of a weird scene, watching the funeral again. I know. It's very odd. So, Grandma's wearing this occult necklace, mm-hmm. and when Charlie recognizes it, or sees it, rather, do you, this weird blonde dude is, like, smiling at her. Yeah. Uh, from, like, the corner. Mm-hmm. Kind of important. Right? Yeah, exactly. Um, which grandma's also not smiling. No, and Annie comments and says that she sees a lot of faces of people she didn't know, mm-hmm. which is also kind of important. Yeah, right. Because uh, Ellen lived with Annie before she died. Yeah, and she's seeing all these people she didn't know for it's quite kind of... a while because it seemed like it was when Peter was born. Yeah. It sounds that way. Or at honestly. least since Charlie was born, and she's like 13. Yeah, I would say probably Charlie's. I think, it was, I think she says it was when Charlie was born. Oh, but so she said so something weird. about her living with them before they put her in a hospice or something. Right, They did. she went into hospice just before she died, but I believe it was six months before she died, they say. Oh, I see, okay. Um, yeah, this is a very weird um, funeral. As a, At the end of this funeral... We see that Charlie's like eating a candy bar, and her <laughs> they're dad's, all making sure that there's no nuts. This candy bar is crunching up, dude. It sounds like it's got nuts in it. 
Really? Yeah. But if it did, though, she would have had a reaction to it. Well, so I kind of want to talk about that, though. Okay. Because maybe... Because we do... By the end of this... And you already said spoilers. By the end of this movie, we find out that there's kind of a grander plan to what's happening. Yeah. And that things are not necessarily what they see or seem. <laughs> Charlie... By the end of the movie, we sort of understand that Charlie is actually, like, Paimon, right? Yeah. Uh, so, would she be affected by it, or was that just the grand scheme of things? Because we also see that occult symbol on the on the post. Which, by the way... Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't notice that. Yeah, it's on there. Hmm. Interesting. No, I think, um, if anything, it was like he's dormant in her. See... That's I don't think she's necessarily possessed because they they use this crunching sound every time that made me it kind of oh me the to be like, mouth pop huh. or the tongue pop no 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 every time she's oh. eating a candy bar they do this sort of crunching sound and it also looks like a um I mean what are those candy bars the flat ones it's a Hershey's bar. Hershey's it's a Hershey's crunch the blue oh wrap crunch bars the crunch bars is, is what Nestle. it looks like and so okay Nestle uh, those don't have nuts so that's a rice candy oh. it's like rice. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Maybe I'm wrong then. But it just is interesting. Well, that would but if you think much. about it, if you're crunching on a uh, like a chocolate bar, like it's still like crunchy, kind of. Sure. Like it's still gonna kind of like make that sound depending on the density of the chocolate. It's just that sa- I don't know. It just sounded I, wrong. But maybe, I, like I said, I'm maybe I'm leaning. There's into this, just. But, but there is this grander yeah. kind of scheme, and so that's why I'm kind of willing to be like, oh, things are just happening when they want them to happen. Yeah, I don't think, I don't, yeah, I don't think Payman uh, necessarily possesses her. I think he's dormant within her. Sure. That's fa- Okay, that's fair, too. Uh, because there's just well, nothing, there's nothing solidifying that that chocolate would have nuts in it. And but she's also making the dolls. Should we get into that? She's making the toys? I guess. I, I don't really have much on it. Which is... Kind of weird because we kind of see the. Toys. I didn't notice it enough. I guess there is a scene in the movie where we get a bit of a sweep through Charlie's room, and it starts out um, on all of these like handmade toy dolls that she's been making throughout the movie. There's one specifically that we see her make with a pigeon's head. Mm-hmm. Um, there's one standing, and it's surrounded by a bunch that are praying, and one of them doesn't have a head. Oh, okay. And so. Maybe I did notice that, but I, I'm not remembering it. This is why I wanted to fucking watch it one more time. That's, but. It's, and that's, it's these things that make me go, oh, maybe not. Maybe maybe it's up to whatever this deity is deciding to will happen. Possibly. Although, you know, who's to say? It, there could still, it could still just be the inadvertent, like, like, sure, maybe he's pulling the strings, but I don't necessarily think that he's, like, like, I still think... She's being tortured, essentially, then. Yikes. That's what I mean. I think she's just a vessel. Okay. Interesting. Okay. I don't think she's, like, a little demon child. Um, we see that Annie's little, like, miniatures are actually recreations of different events in her own life. Interesting. Um, and it's her way of coping with these different traumas, and that's why she has the one of, like, the hospice with her mom. But then a later. Oh yeah, also... Annie's right. Right. Okay, sorry. I thought you were talking about the dolls Charlie made. Oh no no no. Yeah, sorry, so Annie. Annie. Um... Yeah, absolutely. The toddler room, which she doesn't talk about. 
The one of, really? right. That was kind of weird. It, the one also of like her breastfeeding Charlie and their mom being right next to the bed was kind of weird. Is that what that was? Yeah. I thought it was like Annie was like sleeping or waking up and her mom was just like fucking standing there. Oh, so no, yeah, it was the breastfeeding thing because she says that she couldn't, uh, she couldn't produce for Charlie and her mom ended up breastfeeding Charlie. Oh, weird. Yeah, very weird. And she tried to be that way with Peter, but the whole thing was her mom like, or she like, she wouldn't let kept her mom from Peter. Yeah. Right. And, but she says she's my mom, you know, like I couldn't block her out my whole life essentially. Yeah. Um, we get some pretty wise words in this. She, uh, Annie says, should I be sadder? Which this is interesting. Uh, when you go through a loss, I mean, it's her mom to be fair. And I haven't lost anybody like that close to me. That is a feeling I've gone through that, but I think it's a part yeah. of grief. You know, you don't want to accept it. It's denial. At least in my mind, I'd think it would be denial. Uh, but she says that, and, and I felt that way too. Like, oh, should I be like more upset in this moment? Yeah, that happened when like my great grandma died a few years back, and I was like, I was like, I feel bad because I don't really feel anything. Yeah, because I just didn't have a connection with her. But my cousin was like, like her world was turned upside down from it. Right. I it's was like weird. I didn't, I didn't spend time with her at all. But Steve, she was says, just there like at family events. Steve says you should be whatever you are. Yeah, and and wise words. I think those are very wise words as far as this kind of thing goes. He's like a psychologist. You don't really get to see that he is, but I read that. Do you think um, his character... Or psychiatrist? His character kind of reminds me of the psychologist in Daniel Isn't Real. You know, it's funny. I was was kind of randomly thinking about that before this. Before we jumped into all of this. Because he sort of... He's... His intentions are good, but he doesn't understand the bigger picture, and he sort of, like, leans into it in a way that... It it was just dumb, because it seemed like he could tell that he was lying. When he was sure. like, no, nothing traumatic or whatever. Sure, I see. Uh, that kind of irritated me. I'm like, dude, you seem like you're smart enough to know he's lying. But yeah. maybe not. Maybe he didn't want to... maybe wanna... she's, like, willful, will, willfully ignorant. Sure. About it. Because, I mean, that, I feel like, might be a thing, too. She's dealing with her mom's death. Yeah. She maybe doesn't want to hear something bad happen to her mom. Oh, I see. she knew that it was the the funeral home that we're calling. Did she? Yeah, because Peter tells her. Tells them when he hands the phone to the dad. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, yeah, and then he says it was just some billing stuff. Right. And so that's what I mean. I think it's sort of a willing ignorance, but also, like... Mm, yeah, I don't know. I it's think he didn't want to stress her out with that piece of information, so he no, lied sure. to her about and it. And that's what makes me... So that's the thing, is it reminds me of the psychologist and Daniel isn't real because he's he's going about things in a way that he's thinking is going to help. But at the by the end of the movie, it's like, oh, that didn't really work out for you. Mm-hmm. Especially with what happens to these characters. There's something that happens at the end, though, that kind of, like, isn't answered for me. Do you want to talk about it? I think we should wait till we get to the end. Okay. Because it's pretty uh, much at the end. So, we see uh, Peter in bed. He's playing guitar. Reminds me of being a teenager doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he sees... Uh, or This is actually around the time when we see Charlie's room as well. 
with her little figurines, which is pretty interesting. I brought mm-hmm. that up, you know. Um, she actually goes and asks Annie who's going to take care of her when she dies. Uh, when Annie dies? Yeah, she's, yeah, it's kind of like this eerie Dude, thing. I can't imagine one of my kids asking me that. Yeah. Now. That's pretty heavy. Uh, <laughs> Annie but goes it's through. it's eerie, too. It's like, whoa, what? Annie starts to go through some of her mom's stuff, and she finds some books that are kind of, like, weird. I don't... Should we um, get into it? Some, like, the, she finds the occultist stuff. Or maybe she doesn't, she doesn't look into yet. it yet. Right. She doesn't she look does... into it, like, till, like, the end of the movie. Could you imagine going through your parents' stuff after they die and finding, like, they have this whole weird secret life that you've never heard about? Or, like, knew about? Yeah, it would be, like, shocking. Right? Very weird. Uh... Is this the scene where we see the shadow? Yeah, she turns dude. the light off? I don't know if I'd call it a shadow, but, like, she's there. So, yeah, the we see sort of a we see her ghost mom. or body of the mom in the, in the room. Yeah, when she turns off the light, she's sitting there for sure. I, when I was watching it, because I watched it at night, mm-hmm. um, and when I was watching it, like, yeah, she's there. Because as soon as you, uh, as soon as she turns the light back on, y- you can tell it's different. Yeah, because there's nothing Because there. then it's, like, flat walls and, like, a stack of books. And yep. it, it's not like it was a illusion. It was a weird It shot. wasn't, like, an optical thing. It was, uh, other than that, like, she was there in the dark, and it's creepy. And Dude. I noticed it the first time I saw it, too, and I was like, oh, my God. And uh, whoever I was watching it with, they, they didn't pick it up. I was like, you didn't see that? Are you yeah. kidding me? It it's was, a- and that's, like... It sucks because, like, I do that shit in real life, and so it freaks my... I freak myself out all the time, and I'm like... I'll, like, stare at a dark corner. I'm like, I swear I can see someone there. Dude, uh, Tony Collette's acting, like, physical acting in this <sighs> scene is so top-notch. I mean, in this whole movie, but in this scene specifically yeah. is so top-notch because she gets so freaked out. She does, yeah. And this is... She actually spins around the little diorama of the breastfeeding little... Story, yeah. And that's right th- where that's... And that's the thing is, like, I thought it was, like... It looked so haunting. Like, it looked like her mom was there as a ghost. Yeah, it is eerie. That's why I was kind of confused with that moment. Uh, we get to see the kids in school, and it's kind of, like, not that eventful. We see that Peter's character is kind of like a burnout. He's kind of just, like, cause he's a teen boy, but he's, like, kind of not a great... I think his character kind of sucks. He does. Like, he's not, like, a good guy. You know what's funny is they kind of, like, make his love interest to be, seem like she's, like, kind of more than the average girl, you know? Like, maybe, like, she thinks the party life is kind of boring. She's kind of more into, like, writing and poetry and stuff and the meanings of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then she's kind of disappointed that he has, like, nothing to say. Yeah. But then kind of... she's also kind of, kind of a bitch. He's just kind of a burnout. Yeah. Well, and he... <laughs> Yeah. Uh, a bird flies into a window in Charlie's room. So, like, this time watching it, I saw the bird as soon as it starts coming, and I was like, oh, I never noticed it before. Ugh, that makes me feel like... It's, like, kind of out of focus, but you see it just kind of fucking come up and, like, just bang into the window, and I was like, it still kind of made me jump, but I was like, but I saw it this time, and I was like, whoa. Well, should we, should we talk about what happens that leads up to it? Because I think it's connected. Uh, yeah, go into it. Charlie's teacher comes up behind her, and she's making her doll. 
She's making her toy. Oh yeah, and the okay. Teacher says, "Don't you think you should wait to do this until she asks if she's done, done with the test?" The, yeah, she asks if she's done with the test. Yeah. And Charlie, like any kid, I think, who's maybe not doing what they should be doing, getting caught. Yeah, she like, she oh, freaks out and. Uh, and then this bird flies into the window like that and distracts yeah. the whole class. Right, it takes the attention off of her. Yeah. Very fucking weird. Okay, I kind of see where you're coming from now with the payment thing. Mm-hmm. I still don't necessarily think so, though. I I think. I, I think it's kind of both, where it's like, again, Charlie's just the vessel, and she's just being a kid, but Payman is maybe pulling the strings a little bit, making her dance. That's interesting, because I have some questions about the ending of this movie, too, that actually relate to that mm-hmm. a little bit. Okay. So, um, Charlie ends up hacking this bird's head off with a pair of scissors yeah. and taking it with her. This scene made me feel fucking nauseous watching this. Really? It doesn't go on for that long, but I just was like, oh, God, I don't I need just, to see this. I was just I thought it was kind of interesting, but I was like, oh, okay, this is where the like headless uh, foreshadowing starts. Absolutely. Um, but also, she's doing it. She's making it happen, mm-hmm. which is sort of makes me feel like, oh, like... Payman's the greater influence on what happens to Charlie's body later. Right. But again, I don't think it's like Payman is possessing her and and then like secretly allowing it to ha- like like her being conscious of yes, there's going to be nuts in this thing and I'm going to eat it and die. I think it's more I think the whole thing is more orchestrated. There's so much to talk it. about behind this the whole Payman situation and I fuck it reminds me of something else. I have a whole bit that I kind of want to go into about this. Okay. So, but I'm going to wait until we kind of explain everything to the best that we can, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, during this scene, there's also a woman across the street that's watching her. Yeah. Which, this is weird as shit. It's like just some blonde lady, I think. Yeah, well, I It's I not know. Joan. It's not Joan. No. Yeah, it's just some other woman. Um, so, Annie notices that her mother's door is open. Because her mother lived at the house, which is a bit weird. Uh, and she asked Steve to lock it. Uh, and this is actually where the cemetery calls. She asked him if he opened it. Oh, yeah. And no, he said and no. Like, no. Yeah. So it's just opened itself, right? Uh, as far as we know. But I don't think the kids would open it. Well, why would they? Right. Unless it was Charlie, you know, whatever. Which, but. at the end of the day, would kind of make sense yeah. with this character. But... Uh, the cemetery calls here, and this is where we learn about Ellen's grave being desecrated. Yeah. Which is what he hides from Annie, mm-hmm. uh, Steve. He's like, what does that mean? Uh, yeah. And then I think they email him pictures at some point. It's like halfway into the movie, they send it to him, and he actually gets a look at it. Maybe closer to the end. Yeah, and like the grave is like dug up. Now, Annie lies, and she says she's going to go to a movie, but she ends up going to a support group. And this is a the- this is a repeating thing in the movie. Yeah. And uh, she goes to losing a loved one. And she... They sort of insist that she opens up uh, about what why she's there. And she does, but she hesitates. And um, she talks about her mom and the DID a little bit more and about how her dad died when she was really young. But then she talks about her brother. And yeah. her brother's character is pretty interesting. Yeah. Well, we learn about him. Sounds a lot like Peter. He hung himself with a suicide note that blamed their mom for putting people inside of him. Or trying to put people inside of him. Oh, right, yeah. Right? Yeah. Which, at the, it, 
Maybe we should just kind of talk about this. We'll kind of unpack the end here and then go into it a little more later. But essentially, the mother, Ellen, the grandmother, I should right. say. Right. Grandma. Um, she tried to put this deity into her son's body. Payment. Payment into her son's body. But her, bo- her, her son killed himself because he was resisting it. Yeah. This is a, a bit of why uh, Annie is, like, avoiding her mom when Peter's born. Right, keeping him from her. Right. Then Charlie's born, and mom comes back around. Yeah. And this is where uh, Ellen is able to sort of be in Charlie's life. Charlie, uh, we find out by the end of this film, may or may not be carrying the Lord Payment in her body, her vessel. Mm-hmm. However, Lord Payment requires a male host. A male body, yeah. That's interesting, right? Now, the whole confusion that I think both of us are having here is what what does this exactly mean, right, for this deity to be summoned into a body? Yeah. Because it's they don't tell you. I feel like it was kind of explained with the the blue light you see. I feel like the blue light is payment. That's interesting. Because it kind of like enters Charlie at one point. It leads Peter somewhere at one point, which mm-hmm. then you see somebody on the other side of a door and it's kind of creepy. Well, and we also see... Uh, it's like one of the followers. That was weird, dude. We also see uh, it causing Peter to look in his own reflection, and which is giving him a different look than he's actually making. Yeah. Which is a creepy scene. Um... Kind of like foretelling the future a little bit. And uh, and it goes into Annie. Now. Hmm. Do you. Do you think that. No, I guess you're kind of right. So essentially, uh, I have to wonder if. Payman is when he's put into the body. Is it. Like, instant? Or what is the takeover like? What is the... T- because, essentially, what I'm getting at here with Charlie is, is Charlie Payman, just straight up? Or, uh, was Charlie just influenced by Payman? That's what I mean, is I think it was kind of more influenced, but, like, that's the thing. It's, n- like, not to her knowledge that this is ha- like happening around her, but it is being orchestrated around her in order to put her into specific situations. Maybe. I don't know. So, and the reason I, that's hard. Like a marionette. It's very hard. And the reason, uh, an argument I have for this is Peter, Peter, Peter pumpkin eater. When he's initially, <laughs> when he is initially, um, that sucks. Uh, possessed, we should say. With Paimon, he's sort of still sentient, or not sentient, but like conscious, right? Um, until he kind of dies, he kind of kills himself. Yeah. And then when he when he's dead, he then comes back as payment. Now, is that why Charlie had to lose her head rather than just being killed? Interesting. Do you know what I mean? And since we kind of know with the image being on the post that this whole thing was fabricated, 
Like, it was meant to be the way it was. Mm-hmm. Um, that's very kind of crazy. Now, my well, and then, that... uh, to further help your argument, uh, when Annie's head plops off, Ugh. that's also when payment is now, it, like, in... Uh, you're right. Or it's after that is when Payman, as the light, goes to Peter after he jumps out the window. Well, right, because she she uh, gets possessed. Right. Right, uh, right after Steve is. So you might killed. be right on that. It's the head coming off. So the reason, the reason I'm asking all of this is because I'm reading um, Good Omens right now. Yeah. And there's they play with the idea of the Antichrist. This Antichrist doesn't know that he's the Antichrist till an 11-year-old boy. Mm-hmm. And he's, well, why would he? He's non-consciously influencing everything around him. Okay. Um, and maybe to a grander scheme, but he's not conscious of it. Okay. And so I was going to say maybe that is the case with whoever is being like uh, embodied by Paimon. Yeah. But I think that you're... I think we kind of just figured it out here together. Mm. I think it is probably he's taking over the body. Uh, and then at the end, essentially Peter just had to kill his own consciousness. Well, what sucks though, is that like he's spooked by something else and like freaks out and jumps out the window. Well, because of what, what is he spooked by? All of the naked people. people. The room? Yeah. Yeah. These cultists. Yeah. Um, because yeah, we find out that there's a cult, um, this, he's about a cult that this grandmother was a part of. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Um, yeah, we, we really gotten into a lot of stuff on that. Uh, <laughs> without even really talking about like my notes here at all. Uh, so yeah, I mean, we'll get to it. I mean, we see that the family is maybe not the greatest. We see that there's some disconnect from Annie mm-hmm. and she ultimately forces Charlie to go to a party with Peter. <laughs> yeah, this is bad. And during this party, she, uh, Peter goes into a room to smoke weed with this girl that he's into. He's and... he's kind of a dumbass for saying it was going to be a school event. Just say, like, hey, I want to go to a party, right? but I won't drink. You know, and Or whatever. I, I'm this... sure it's not that easy, but still. Right. But... It, it kind of seemed like she was making it that easy. As a parent, I think the more transparent you are, the more trustworthy you're going to be. Mm-hmm. Right. And so when you give me the, an idea of something, I'm then going to react as though you're being transparent with me, mm-hmm. especially if you've not given me a reason not to. Yeah. So, yeah, of course she reacted the way she reacted. Now, she kind of forces Charlie to go because Charlie she doesn't does. want to go. She straight up does. But Charlie goes. And uh, so when, which is crazy because then, I mean, it comes back, but it makes Annie also feel responsible. But Peter kind of. Like, puts that in concrete for her. Every time her and Peter interact as well, she always kind of just asks him whatever he asks her with, like, a kind of snide sort of, like, uh, emotion to it. She resents him for something. Right. And it's... It's never really... Oh, it's... Well, it's because her mom was interested in Peter... Uh, when he was a baby. Yeah. Which we find out it's because she wanted a boy, right? She wanted a boy to put Paimon in. Right. And this is about her feeling like left out. Cause even Charlie guilty. says grandma wanted me to be a boy. Mm-hmm. And so it's like this guilt 
that she's taking out on her son, which is, you know, a part of what we were talking about, this generational abuse. Oh, okay. I think that kind of opened up for me, too. Pyman couldn't really actually control... Well, that thing, I guess that doesn't make sense. Never mind. Yeah, I think it was for the full capacity of his power. Right. He had to be in a male body. I, you yeah, because that was the thing. It had to be a male body. If you guys are want to really break that character down, it's Lesser Key of Solomon. That's where Paimon comes from. You can hit us up on the comments for this photo for this uh, on Instagram and let us know. Mm-hmm. We're both really interested. Um, yeah, so essentially Charlie eats uh, some chocolate with nuts in it. We see this alluded to right before she eats the chocolate. She starts to uh, have some trouble breathing, and Peter rushes her to the car, and he's trying to get her home. He's panicking, He's but he's being a good brother. He is, and it's it's really... And this never, part is really sad. He's never really a bad brother to her either, though. Yeah. He's maybe not great, but he's not the worst. He's not, like, mean to her, and he's not resentful toward her for going with. Right. Which I thought was kind of a big deal. He knows it's not her fault. Right, she, and he doesn't she, take it He out was there when she said she didn't want to go. But on the way home, she's in the back of the car choking, and she she sticks her head out the window to get some air, and uh, Peter swerves out of the way of hitting a deer. Yeah. And she's decapitated by a post. He sits there for a minute and goes to look up. This shot is rough, man. When he's sitting in the street and the camera pans up to look at the rearview mirror and then darts back down. So, okay, I watched that scene over and over like three times because the way I was thinking was that I thought he was looking away because he either – I get it now. It's it's more like literal. It's just the fact that her head is gone. And he's like, oh, fuck. Right. He's just terrified. And, and he doesn't, he as soon as he sees it, he doesn't want to see it. So he looks away. Mm-hmm. I kept thinking that he was either seeing something that was popping up in the background, like I grandma see. or something, um, or that he was seeing something popping up in the mirror, which I thought I did see something at one point, like a silhouette of a head, oh. like a person. Sure. Um, so I watched it three times, but I was like, nothing's happening in either of those like that. So I was like, this is kind of weird, but you kind of just put it in this perspective for me. It's, it's just the literal fact that like, Oh shit, my sister's head is gone. Right. I'm seeing somebody without a head. It's, it's a literal first person perspective of him. And also the emotion that he's feeling, which is kind of crazy that he was, but then he also kind of just goes like, Oh, so and then, like, drives home. This is what I wanted to talk about, is his reaction. He gets home, gets out of the car, goes and gets into bed. And then he sleeps until he wakes up to his mom screaming, because we hear her go and find the body. Yeah. Uh, what do you think about this? Do you think it's an, a realistic or not realistic uh, reaction? I have no idea. I That is exactly I would feel the like, answer. I feel like... He seems like such a monster for having no reaction... Because I don't necessarily think he's being, like, possessed by Paimon at this point. Um, but at the same time, it would kind of make sense. So I don't think he is. I, I think this is literally just someone... That's what sucks about it. Is like, I don't think he is, but that would make more sense. Because her head gets lopped off. Paimon's in his body now. Why would he care? But that's the trouble with it is that well, that's not the case, or at least I don't really think that is the case. That's not the case because Annie essentially brings Paimon back right. by using the grimoire later, which is never called that, but I'm going to call it that. Not a grimoire, I mean, but it's just a book with I mean, writing in it. It's, um, it's just like it's a piece Charlie's of paper. It's Charlie's sketchbook. 
Oh, it, well, yeah, okay, then you are using Grimoire kind of incorrectly because... Yeah. It doesn't have, like, her spells in it or anything, so yeah, it's right. It, it's, it's just like a spiritual object. It's a mm-hmm. connection from the spirit spirits to the real world because uh, it was a personal object. But it's a personal object of Paimon's. They just think it's Charlie's, right? How? No. Because Paimon was controlling Charlie until Pi- Charlie died. Which was the release of Paimon, the spirit from the body. That's the thing, is I don't really think Paimon was controlling Charlie, though. I think she was just a kid. I do think that. Because her head is the one on the Paimon statue. At the end of the movie. Right. And that's why I think that. Um, So, Peter's lack of a reaction, my response to that is, I don't know. I don't know what I would be feeling if I went through something like that, and I can't imagine. Oh, I know what I would on. feel. I mean, I, mean sure. I would be like, "Oh my god!" Right. And you, I would probably wake my parents up, I guess. But also, like, I think there's so much trauma happening that maybe he even just like emotional meltdown. Right. You think? It out. Yeah, like it. It just exhausted him. Yeah. Uh, Annie doesn't fucking forgive him for this at all. No. Uh, not by the end of the movie. And it's a little brutal. Um, Charlie's little blue coffin is fucking sad. Man. Yeah, dude. It is sad. You know what's funny is like, uh, I, I mean, not funny, but like in the trailer, you see that part. And I never put two and two together. Never, never thought like, oh, that seems like a small casket. Right. Because it's, well, maybe also... Because there's, like, lack of... It's a weird view, too. It's not, like, inherent in that shot that it's So, like, for the trailer, it was kind of just like, oh, they're at a funeral. It's an awesome shot, though. Yeah. the camera then drops down with it into the ground. Yeah, it follows it. Yeah. It's cool. Uh, it also kind of uh, keeps that aesthetic with the, like, you're looking into, a like, a house. You're looking into this world. Yeah, absolutely. From this, like, uh, architectural, like viewpoint or something which is you know the opening of the movie also right and that's what i'm kind of like matching that to uh annie ends up sleeping in the treehouse pretty much from here on out in the movie and it does get addressed between her and steven uh he kind of like is angry about it although uh no well he's upset it's it's hard to write it's it's complex there's a part a little bit later it it I think that part's a little bit later, right? Where she gets up and she's like, I can't sleep. I'm going in the treehouse. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, you're not... Co- oh, she said she'll be back. And he's like, you're not no. coming back. You grabbed your blanket. Right. That's a little bit later because I think it's, no, it's after this later. funeral... Yeah, after the funeral, that's when we get that red glow you were talking about when seeing from Peter's room. And it's eerie. Yeah. But then you see it's just her in there with the heaters on. Right. It is eerie, though, that because of the color of the... I think it's a mix of that. They're out in the woods. They're like far from the city, so there's no lights lighting up the sky. And it's just that it's so dark in there that those coils are like really lighting up that room. Oh, right. Yeah. No, I but agree. I think it is also played with. And I think it's on purpose to um, kind of give that spooky, eerie, omnipotent feel to it. That darkness rising. Yeah. You know? Um, so... Steve goes into Charlie's room and uh, kind of goes through her sketchbook. And Peter hallucinates a rearview mirror uh, a little bit later when he's in class. Oh, yeah. Well. yeah. That was weird, man. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't remember that prior. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, I guess I didn't really think about it, but then I, I, I was like, oh, yeah, okay. It's kind of a haunting idea. Mm-hmm. Oh. 
he goes and smokes weed under the bleachers, um, and then has like an emotional breakdown. Ooh, I don't know about that. I think it's kind of more well, foretelling. I no, I do too, but it's kind of a bit Because like he just, he can't breathe. And he, he says he's choking. Yeah. That's what was happening to Charlie when she died. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's fucking creepy. But I don't know if it's necessarily an emotional breakdown. I think it's... I, I thought it was something more supernatural. I only do because this is before we get uh, Charlie summoned back by Annie. Um. Okay. But I think there's still maybe a little bit of validity to what you're saying. I don't know. Right. Okay. This movie's so grand scheme that I don't really know. Yeah, get at us in the comments. Um, Tell us what you think. Also, one of his friends that's smoking weed with him is definitely a cult member that's in the treehouse at the end of the movie. Really? Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I, creepy. I, I couldn't try to keep track of everybody. It was really difficult. There was some obvious ones, like the guy at the funeral in the beginning. Mm-hmm. but Everybody well, at the support group. Which I knew. I only knew that from the podcast I listened to. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> you give him a shout out? <laughs> uh, no. What do you uh, listen to? Yeah. Um, uh, anyways, but yeah, it's just it was hard to keep track of all the people. But that's interesting. Weird, even. He Peter goes home that night on his bike, and Annie's in the car in the driveway, just parked, and she watches him. Okay, and it's weird because like you can see that she's in it from uh, that first viewpoint. She looks like she's sleeping. She does. Um... And, yeah, he kind of looks at her, and then we switch views. And then, yeah, she watches him go inside and then leaves. So she ends up going to another one of these meetings, which is, like, totally makes sense. She lost another kid. This is, like, three months later or something, too. Yeah, totally. So close. So close to the Also, But far, too. Because they don't make it feel like it's a three-month difference. Yeah. That's what I mean. I was like, damn, I thought this was, like, within the same week. Here's what I'll say. This movie has a long runtime, and I said it doesn't feel long, and it's because unlike some of the other movies that we've watched, there's a lot that happens, but when those movies are only an hour and a half and a lot happens, it feels like you've been there for a decade watching a yeah. lot of stuff like unfurl. Yeah. In this, it's so natural that it doesn't feel like you've been sitting here waiting. This movie's not boring. No, not and at it's, all. We've both watched it at least three times at this point, so, I mean, it's... It, Kind of giving away my score here, but like it's rewatchable. I I own a copy of the Blu-ray that I'm holding in my hand right yeah, now. Yeah, which so, I want it. So, um, so yeah, she goes to this meeting though, and, and she decides not to attend it. But on her way out, she's flagged down by Joan. Yeah, Joan uh, is an interesting character. She recognizes Annie from her uh, going to the from going to the meeting, the one before. And she kind of confides in her and tells her about her son and her grandson. She says they drowned six months ago, which is kind of a weird bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, she asks about Charlie because uh, Annie kind of alludes to the fact that her daughter just died. Um, and then she gives her a number. She asks about her mom. Oh, you're Because sorry. that's the support group she I was said, at for before. You're right. Sorry, I said Annie, but yeah, right. And um, then that's when she's, she tells her about her daughter, and then that's when she says her son and grandson just died. And she ends up, Joan ends up giving Annie her number. Mm-hmm. Um, which Annie ends up lying to Steve again and says that she went to the movies. Um, yeah. Which this later that uh, night, that's when she 
goes to the treehouse. She leaves bed and goes to the treehouse. She says oh, okay. that she just needs to sleep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That part yeah. where it, when he notices, right? And Peter also sees um, Charlie in his room. Yeah, when he's in bed, and her head falls off, and then all of a sudden a, he hears the tongue pop, and a basketball rolls in. Yeah, fucking dude, what? Well, I thought that was kind of just more like the basketball was in his room, and so like. No, I it works, uh, but fuck me, dude. That'd I know. Visually, yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, so something I feel like I kind of noticed. Maybe I'm looking in too into it, and maybe I'm wrong. But I feel like you only actually see Charlie do the tongue pop once. Every other time, you just hear it, and it doesn't show her doing it. Oh, that's interesting. I do know that you only see her do it a couple times, but you hear it a lot. And so, like, part of what I was or, thinking uh, was see, that quote it's... unquote, see, like, sh- 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 see, because they show her face, but maybe not her mouth, which is totally a good. That's what I mean. Yeah, it's yeah. like you see, like, half her face, but you don't see her mouth doing it. That's interesting. And so I thought maybe that was kind of part of the movie title too, or something, or even something with payment. Well, and it is something that it's definitely something with payment because it it comes back. Um, yeah. Someone else does it. I believe it's kind of, I, it I might Peter be Peter. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Annie, dude, she recreates Charlie's death scene. I know it's fucked. It's so brutal. Dude. And then her like, this isn't about him. This is just a, a something viewpoint of the accident. And it's like, but like, listen to your husband. He's saying like, what do you think your son's going to feel when he sees this? Like, mm-hmm. That's so fucked. And she did the head and, like, the blood. Mm-hmm. Which is why, you know, this is what I mean, is she really... She, she resents it. Resents the shit out of him. Yeah. And and she's not forgiving him. Uh, she ends up making plans to meet Joan, and then uh, she recognizes the welcome mat, which is important. She says her mom used to make them just like that. Now, she's been to Joan's before, I think. No, I felt like she didn't really recognize the mat until the second time she goes to Joan's. Well, the first time she says to her... Uh, she says it's something like her mother used to make. It reminds her. This is kind of a big thing I wanted to talk about because um, uh, I thought she was talking about what Joan was wearing because when Annie, when Joan walks away and then Annie walks into frame with that mirror in the background. Um, sorry, I don't know why I was like, <laughs> I'm so close to the mic. Um you, like, see somebody else walk by. I guess it's Joan, but it doesn't look like Joan. Oh, interesting. But you see someone walk by in the mirror. Hmm. It, but it, she's wearing, like, the same thing Joan's wearing. But it uh, doesn't look like Joan. That's interesting. I had to rewatch it a couple times. Because uh, it's right when Annie's standing in front of it, too. That's eerie. So, like, no one's in front of the mirror. Unless Joan's, like, to the side of her, but it doesn't make sense with the way... Like, when the person in the mirror starts walking, it doesn't look... It doesn't like make it sense with the way that Tony Collette is Annie is looking. Interesting. Okay. Well, cuz she's like looking forward past it. Uh Annie tells Joan some crazy shit about her sleepwalking. Yeah, she does. She says that she almost uh set Peter on fire with kerosene and matches. Uh but that she hasn't had any episodes recently. Yeah. That's fucking eerie, bro. Yeah. Could you imagine? Which, we do get another scene. Peter starts to think that his mom's doing this again. 
Right. Do you think that... Um, okay, remove all of the cult shit that's happening in this movie. Okay? Because by the end of the movie... Uh, I mean, and it yes, it is a cult in the text of the movie still. At the end of the movie, there's a point, a point where Annie goes to see Joan at her house and Joan's not there. Yeah, and you right. see all this cult shit in her in her house. And so that's why I'm saying in the text, yes, right? But do you think that this is supposed to be a literal representation of a woman having a schizophrenic break or psychotic break? Because there's a lot of times, and there's in a specific event here, uh, where Annie does something or sees something. And then changes totally completely. Changes. I I do kind of agree with that. Um, at the same time, this is kind of more just like a conspiracy fan theory, I guess I because, would call it. Well, right, because the text is that it's a cult. Not, not that. Not, okay. But right. what I'm about to say is that um, I kind of think subconsciously Annie is trying to like kill her son so that payment doesn't come. And that's what I mean. In the text, that makes sense with the cult. Kept her right. from her mother. The sleepwalking, almost setting him on fire. Um, yeah. But she also, this could be disassociative identity disorder, which her mother had. Right. And the movie's called Hereditary. And isn't that something that can be passed down? Mental illness definitely is hereditary. Now, that's what also makes me think this movie's about Annie. Mm-hmm. Is I feel like this movie is about Annie That's why I thought so. Break. I don't think this movie is about Peter. I think that's the easy answer, and that's why I said that at the beginning. I think that the easy... Uh, I feel direct... like Annie is the easy answer, though, because it you see the most revolve around her. You're on her most of the time throughout this movie. Sure. So it I does guess... switch between characters, but I think like 75% of the movie is focused on her. I think you're right. I do think Slash the, follows her. I do I think say. the movie does a pretty decent job of splitting itself between Peter and Annie. I don't think Steve gets a lot. And I know. I mean, Charlie. I kind of wanted more out of Steve too. And Charlie dies at 45 minutes. Yeah. So there, more than half the movie, she's not in. Right. Um. Yeah, I don't know. And I say I think Peter's the easy answer on a first watch, which is how a lot of people watch movies. They'll watch it one time, and that's kind of it. Um. This is for or is Payman the lead, the well, main character? Yeah, right. It, directly in the text, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, but I think that if you watch this movie and kind of dissect it, like dissect it, like we are right now, I think that you could say that uh, there is a reading of this where it's not about a cult and it's about Annie mm-hmm. and her lack of or, or her essentially. Having this mental illness that's been there, but then these two traumatic events being so close together, snapping her. Yeah, if you take all the supernatural and cult stuff away, like, this is still a pretty insane, like, it would be an th- insane family thriller. And that's what I... A family drama thriller. Right, and that's what I was kind of getting at in the right. beginning of this movie. And yeah, so, I could see it. Um, I feel like that's equally a scary and good movie. Me too. But I liked the devil shit <laughs> yeah no me too, me too it like makes it that much cooler to me um let's let's get through this we have uh still quite a bit more to go through um joan ends up teaching she tells annie that she met a medium that taught her how to contact her grandson mm-hmm. 
and Annie doesn't believe her at first, but then Joan kind of gives her an exhibit of this at the house. You know what's kind of interesting they do? I just want to touch on this really quick, is that, like, you don't really see Tony Collette's face when she does that, but but Joan says, like, uh, like I know what you're thinking, uh, you know, based on the face you made, and it, I think that's kind of an interesting thing. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, that is There's not a lot to look into it, but it's kind of, I don't know. Well, I just, think that that almost adds to the, like, the grand scheme of things where she's almost like pre pre wrecking it by saying like, I'm not even going to let you deny me or cut you off, cut me off. I'm just going to say this so that you stay with me. Cause well, then and she's also just trying to convince her too, because she's like, I was skeptical too, but there was all these people and makes it, be- which the more thing believable. she talks about still sounds really like, okay. Like right. just cause you say so now that she she does it with her there, and we see she has That's the glass convincing move, thing. And it's flipping around the table, or, or zooming around the table. Uh, <laughs> this is pretty sketch, man. Yeah. Uh, I don't know that I'd be into that. Yeah, I'd be pretty freaked out. The chalkboard. And it's like, there was nothing that really said, like, confirms that it's her grandchild. Right, which is eerie. Uh, this chalkboard, I'm glad you brought this up. This scene was one of the hardest things for them to do. Really? They used magnet inside the chalk. Uh-huh. And they did basically a, the opposite side of the table had the same thing. And yeah. Someone was just drawing and it would follow. Yeah. But getting it to, like, actually write what they were doing uh, with pressure and everything. Because it, it doesn't ever leave the board. Yeah. Even when it's, like, spacing between letters. Apparently it was one of the hardest. And these were, like, practiced effects people. So I was like, damn. But it's kind of cool. It was cool. I mean, they could have done that with CGI, and I but wouldn't they, even know. Yeah, they didn't want to, yeah. That's cool, though. That, okay, that's pretty cool. The, I, I have appreciation for the craft. Oh, me too. And and they said so, the hardest part was getting a magnet inside of the chalk without it breaking. Yeah, I can imagine. Which is interesting. Yeah, I wouldn't have thought about that. It's almost like, damn, wait, why'd you guys like go that far just for that? Like, right. You could have made that with CGI, and it would have been fine. I'm, go- I'm saying good for them. But, yeah, absolutely. That's what I mean. Is like That's why I said... Well, I definitely appreciate the craft, the fact that they even did it. Now, the last thing during this seance, which is what it is, seance, uh, this, like, thing touches Annie and freaks her out. Yeah. She feels a brush against her, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, she ends up taking the instructions home with her, and she invokes Charlie. Or to, in, uh, to invoke Charlie, rather. Yeah. But on the drive home, she hears the clicking noise. Yeah, she hears the tongue pop. Very weird. Right. So. <sighs> That's why I was like, well, is it just a Pyman thing? Yeah. So it's like the, it makes me wonder if Pyman came out of Charlie's body, hung around as a spirit right. until she did the like invocation in her own home, which right. allowed it into one of their bodies. Mm-hmm. Shit does start going down essentially after that happens. Well, right and Charlie's this. voice is the one that comes from Annie too. Dude, that seems sketch. Well, especially when she's like, because the, her husband does the same thing with her where he looks under the table to see if somebody's there like, like fucking around. That scene was very weird. We're, we're getting there actually. It's very close. Um, that should have been the quote. <laughs> Annie lays in bed and sees ants crawling all over the blanket in the bedroom. She ends up going to Peter's room and she hallucinates oh. that they're covering his face. Yeah, they're like coming out of his mouth. He wakes up and they have this crazy emotional confrontation about the kerosene sleepwalking incident. 
And yeah. essentially, she like tells him that she didn't want to get pregnant with him. She tried every way possible to get like to have a, a miscarriage. And then he starts crying and says, "Like you tried to kill me." Uh, and then there are suddenly, not suddenly, she lights them on fire. They're both like drenched in suddenly kerosene. Drenched. I thought that was so like eerie. Well, and that's how you know it's like a dream. Yeah, exactly. This it, is a, totally yeah. a dream. It's it's not. But it doesn't feel that way until that point. Right. It totally feels real Cause, until that. Yeah, because she's just like, yeah, you, uh, she kind of bursts out, I never wanted to be your mother. And then she's like, oh, shit, what did I just say? Like, But then she keeps going. Right. She's, like, trying to explain herself. But, like, that's the other thing is, like, do you think that's also because she subconsciously knew what her mom was doing or was afraid of what her brother had said about her mom and something like that happening? So she's trying to protect him. She's like, I didn't want to be your mom because I didn't want this to happen to you. But like, she also doesn't necessarily know that it's kind of like subconscious thing. I absolutely think so. Like, just kind of like, oh, you know, like, well, look what happened to my brother. Yeah, I think it's totally subconscious. Yeah. Uh, the next day, uh, oh no, I'm sorry. Uh, Annie then wakes up from this because this was her dream. Um, Annie wakes Stephen Peter up so that they can invoke Charlie. Uh, because she does a little bit of reading. She said she did it. Oh, right, right, right. Um, they go downstairs and they, we see this like stack of model houses that are like on top of each other, like chaotically. And then there's a a flat grass pad with their house on the top. Yeah. That was fucking weird. It was weird. Um, yeah, that, that was weird to me. Steve's uh, super hesitant, and Peter tries to like go into it, but then like he gets real freaked out by this. Yeah, he uh, he he says, "Can you feel the air flexing?" Yeah, that was an interesting description. Which I was like, okay, so like he's feeling all this pressure around him. That's crazy. They hear a thump. Uh, they have a candle that like flickers out, and then and then like bursts. Yeah. Yeah. And then Annie is possessed by Charlie before doing this uh, sound you made earlier. Well, because uh, I think she starts drawing in the notebook. And that's when, like, uh, uh, what's the husband's name? Steve. Steve, right. Uh, that's when he, like, looks under the table and she's just doing that out of nowhere. And then she starts, Annie, or uh, Charlie's voice comes from her. So creepy. Yeah. Anytime they do, like, a mess with a kid's voice or put a kid's voice on an adult, it freaks me out, man. Yeah, I thought the, uh, the, like, kind of Death Rattle-esque thing she was doing was scarier. Really? Because I thought she was about to be, like, the whole time and, like, turn into this witch or something. After this, Peter starts seeing the light. And Charlie did see this light. Mm-hmm. She followed it out. Uh, we didn't really talk about this, but she follows it oh. out at one point and she sees a woman standing next to a fire. It's Grandma. Was I'm it? Pr- I, I thought it was a hallucination of Grandma because it was, like, a white-haired lady... Huh. Short hair. And, yeah, she's, like, standing in the field with her back turned, and the field's, like, on fire. Oh, maybe. Interesting. Which I had, I don't think I ever noticed that for some reason. Huh. Previously. I didn't remember it either. This movie's, like, this weird anomaly where it, like, fucks with your mind. But that's why, like, seeing it the third time, I was like, oh. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like, I, I remembered everything. Like, I... I was used to everything happening, so I was able to pay attention to other, other things. Uh, yeah, this light, though, uh, he also starts hearing the click. Mm -hmm. Um, this, in class, he sees his reflection, 
Um, which smiles just back cheesing at him. right at him. Very eerie, man. And th- actually, this is where he hears the click. And then, but he also uh, looked high as shit too. He's like, yeah. And He's he, like, you're about to smoke some good bud later, bro. He ends up like cracking his face on the table here. Um, I think these are two different times. He goes to the bathroom at that point. Oh, right. And right. then um, Steve calls and is like, your, your son just called me and was like freaking out. And she, I think she was kind of like whatever about it. The second time... Um, it's not when he looks in the thing, but, like, he does get, like, uh, kind of possessed by it. Right, because his and arm then, shoots up in the air. Yeah, and he's kind of, like, like, like you right. know, like, he can't breathe or something, and then, like, is just slamming his face on his desk. You're, you're totally right, because I have a note about that scene. Um, but, yeah, Steve essentially is, like, tells Annie enough of this shit. He was, like, trying to stick up for his son, which is, like, he's a great dad. Yeah. Ultimately in this movie. Um... But then her phone, she gets a phone call, which goes to fucking voicemail after four rings, bro. Yeah. Damn. And it's Ari Aster. Yeah, it <laughs> is. Yeah. And he, uh, he essentially is looking for an update on her art display for their gala. And I think he says he gives some empathy about her mother and talks about how she was such a great woman. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, he, he also says that, you know, if you need any more time, that's totally understandable. Just let us know. Um, and he even actually says that he would come send help if they needed it. Now, she then goes to she, destroy all of her models. Yeah, she doesn't take that well for some reason. And what, then, what's the model that she leaves behind? Do you remember? No. It's a body in a bed without a head. I didn't notice that. It's a body in a robe, like a nightgown, in a bed without a head. I think it was Grandma. I think it was her at the end of the movie. Oh, maybe it was. Um, yeah, I didn't notice that. Well, at one point, she stages up Grandma in a doorway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that was eerie as hell, too. It's so eerie, the way they place these figures. Yep. And, uh, like, you have to just sit on it because it just, like, pans on it for so long. There is an episode of Creep Show on Shudder. I think it's called Head of the House. Mm-hmm. Uh, that plays with the dollhouse idea in the figures. Yeah. Very cool. I would recommend that to anybody. Not, nice. not necessarily cool on the same level as this. It's a different type of thing, but it's sure. still yeah. cool. Very creative idea. Um, any, uh, she ends up here writing from another room and discovers Charlie's notebook being written on by an unseen force. Mm-hmm. And these are pictures of Peter's face in distress. Mm-hmm. He wakes up to the clicking. Uh, Oh, this is where he sees Charlie, uh, standing in the shadows when her head falls off. Is it? Yeah. Okay. Because this is also where the hands come out of the head yeah. and pull on his and head. And then his mom's in there and they're arguing. And this is one of the my argument for the scene of her having this DID like schizophrenic break where she's like attacking in one moment. And, she's and like, he's no, like, you tried to pull my head off. Yeah, and she's like, no, I wasn't. And like Very weird. Yeah, weird, I know. Very weird shit. It's weird because it's like, where's the... Where's the line? Like, when is this supernatural, and when is this just, like, her being her mother, or, you know? But it's, like, all, it's all, like, uh, like, bunched together in one, like, rubber band ball. After this, Annie, uh, she ends up taking Charlie's book, and she throws it into the fire because she thinks it's cursed. Which, Uh, then her arm lights on fire. Yeah. You so, can tell this was some practical, like, pyrotechnics, too, just because of how, like, perfectly lined up her arm it was. It was cool. It, it was cool. Good. It was very effective and good. 
I think what happens later is, like, cooler, but... Me too, which we're going to talk about that scene, too. Uh, Annie watches Peter leave uh, before she goes and visits Joan... Well, Joan's house, but Joan's not there. Joan's not there. This is where she recognizes that she looks... She really looks at the, uh, the rug. And we also see what's inside the apartment. It's an altar. Yeah. And did you see what's at the altar? Uh, it was the symbol of Pyman, wasn't it? It's a photo of Peter in the symbol of uh, Pyman and Charlie's toy that she made. Oh, right. Yeah. And, uh, Peter... Which, you don't, I don't think Annie can see that. She can't. But she... she but the rug tells her something. Mm-hmm. So then Peter eats lunch at school, uh, but Joan's, like, yelling at him from across the street, expelling him from his body. Yeah. Very weird. This is where we're leading up to the, the Well, she's saying expel yourself, Peter, like right. telling him to kill himself, so essentially. Fucking weird. Um, this is where Annie kind of goes home and goes through those books this time and discovers that her mom was involved with Joan and some weird well, and she, magic. She goes through all the other rugs and she's like, oh, shit, yeah, my mom did that rug. Yep. She uh, discovers that they practice this demonic religion and then she goes into the attic and finds her mom's headless body rotting right so fucked so that's where i'm like how did the body get there that's where i was like i had some confusion about the desecration of the grave because steve blames her for it right which he's like it was you it could have been if we took but it's not confirmed there's nothing confirmed there it could have been but we never see her do anything like that it could have also been the cultists exactly and so that's what i mean if you remove the cult from this this does sort of feel like this allegory i hate using the word allegory because that's supposed to be like this confirmed thing but it feels like a metaphor for this person losing their mind right which yeah take all the supernatural cult stuff out of it yeah it's still like a crazy fucking movie. Oh, it's so crazy. Uh, this is going to be a long episode, guys. Sorry. We're <laughs> near an We're already like an hour in. We're Sorry, guys. It. It's a long one. Yeah. Uh, We're almost there. Peter does get overwhelmed by the light. He slams his face into the desktop. And uh, Alex Wolf wanted to actually break his fucking nose for this scene. Really? Ari insisted that he doesn't do that. They padded the desktop, and he slammed his head into it anyways. What he Damn, didn't realize man. is the padding wasn't was only about an inch deep, and then it was an actual wood table. So he ended up dislocating his jaw. Holy shit! Yeah, it's fucked. Uh, Steve called. Steve is called to pick up Peter from school. Uh, Steve cries at a red light, which this is the first time we see Steve really have like an emotional break, which it feels very real. Well, he like almost runs the red light. Yeah, but he's sitting there crying. And after after he stops. Yeah, and I. I I felt like part of that was because maybe he was reminded of the accident as well. Oh, probably. You know, because like he almost got them in a car accident. He like almost ran that red light, kind of just sure. like thinking about his son. And then yeah, he has an emotional. But know, even drive. just, he's so disassociated from real life that he almost just ran a red light. Mm. We see that, but we also see that he's like overwhelmed because he sits through the green light. Yeah, he almost doesn't go through it. I think um, he starts to. I could be wrong. He ends up going home, and then Annie tells him about the body. Uh, he thinks that she dug her up. He brought that up. And then uh, brings up her saying she was going to the movies. Mm-hmm. And saying, like, no, that's I, you. That's what you've really been doing. Like, you, you went and dug her body up and all right. this stuff. Um, Annie convinces Steve that they need to destroy the, Charlie's book, which he, like, totally is still, like, you're losing your mind. But then uh, she says, like, it's going to kill me. Because, like, I tried to put it in there the other day and it lit my arm on fire. Yeah, which it's like, like, well, then why are you telling him to do it? Because she's afraid. 
She's like, can't amp herself up to do it. And she says that. But if it kills whoever throws it in there. No, she thinks it's attached to her, though, because she was the one that invoked the spirit. Oh, right. She okay. does explain that. Uh, he does end up throwing it in there, and it lights his ass on fire. Well, she, like, makes him do it, though. Oh, because That's he wasn't That's the other fucked to. up right. thing. Right, because he wasn't going to do it. And then he bursts in the flames. To do this, they had to fireproof the entire room. I bet, dude. Yeah. This he straight up the does. way this looked was insane. I was like, "Holy shit!" I was like, "How did they do that?" Terrifying, dude. Uh, Peter she, wakes up and finds the body of his dad. Oh, did you want to? Well, she's like, okay, so she, like while he's on fire, she's like screaming. She's like, "Oh my god!" And then all of a sudden, that light goes down, and she kind of just goes like, and just like drops it. Yeah, she kind of goes into like a weird. It's kind like, of like what happened with Peter in the car, but except there wasn't the light. And there wasn't this like snap from one emotion to the next, right. but it was, it was similar in the sense of that, that like vibe, that exhaustion. She falls into like a daze. Yeah, she's yeah. kind of like, Ugh. and uh, so the, yeah, so then Peter wakes up, goes down, and finds the um, uh, body of his dad burnt up, and well, realizes... I think something happens before that. Not yet. I think this is right where we. St- oh, oh, right. I guess we can get into this. This yeah. is okay. So this is really the point where shit hits the fan. Annie crawls across the ceiling out of his room as he's getting up. Well, or the he wall. wakes up and he's looking around. She's there the whole time, right? Just crouched on the he wall. He just doesn't see her. And there's a point where, when they're showing the whole room from that wide view, like in the beginning, um, uh, there's a point where they like light up her spot a little more so that you can see that she's sitting there. Oh yeah. yeah. And they make it dark again and then they switch a view and then that's when you see her like, yeah. Chugging along through the air. It's weird. It's like, she's like swimming though too. Yeah. It's weird. It's like a weird skittering. She goes down into, you don't really hear it though. There's no sound to it. It just happens and he doesn't see it at all. And then that's when he goes into the hallway and yeah. And then he finds that. And the reason why I wanted to make it, clear that um she was there is because again you see her up on the ceiling now he you also see like one of the naked people here too which i was gonna say this is where he also realizes the house is full of and surrounded by these like naked cultist people and they're just like standing barely in the dark like naked and like pale which this scene is crazy he goes into one of the rooms and sees one of them in the closet but like won't move because he's afraid and then annie bursts out from behind him yeah and like chases him out of the room. Yes. She no. Chases- so th- it's in this room because she, you see her also up in the corner, mm-hmm. and then yeah, all of a sudden he's she's like in the corner and runs. It, it's when he looks to see her up there, and then she books it after him from the corner. Yeah, it was very eerie. She chases him into the attic, and he, he discovers his body up there. Uh, or no, I'm sorry. He discovers the altar where the body was. The body's not there anymore. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. you're right. Um, and uh, something that is also extra terrifying, because you watch him pull the ladder up, um, something that's terrifying when he's screaming back at his mom is that you just hear this pounding on She's the... Not banging. like that. That's gross. It sounds like masturbating. But you just hear this pounding on the door. And it's her head. She's it's her banging her, her fucking, her fucking head, head on it. Yeah, it. Off the ceiling. So... Also, when I saw the trailer for this, um, I'm getting so riled up. I honestly haven't eaten, so I'm, like, shaking. Yeah. But um, 
when I saw the trailer for this, I was like, oh, it's probably one of those things where, like, that's not really what's happening in the scene. Or, like, like it's a hallucination, hallucination or something. Yeah. And then when I saw it in theaters, I was like, oh, my God. I was just like, I was, I was happy that that's what was really happening. Um, because that's fucking scary as shit. So, yeah, he... We see also, uh, when he goes back after seeing the altar where the grandmother's body was, he looks up and sees her hacking her head off. Yeah, she's, he says something and she stops. And then he hears that, the, like, the, like, yeah. sound. Cause she's, like, garroting her own head off. It's very yeah. brutal. Uh, and then we see that he's surrounded by cultists. Yeah, and this is where he notices him, panics, and, like, runs out the window. Mm-hmm. And you, the whole time, because, like, it follows him, but the whole time you just hear the the sawing going faster and faster and faster until finally you, like, hear it kind of stop, and then you hear, like, the head, like, thud on the, on the ground of the attic. Yep. He wakes up and sees Annie's headless body floating up into a treehouse. Well, this is at, at this point, it's payment. Sure, right. The light kind of, like, goes to his body and, like, stops and goes, like... Right. Like, around it. And it's... There's no words or anything from him. It's just him kind of looking around, observing. He does Yeah, he doesn't and have there's a dialogue. Yeah, he watches the body float in. Because as he's waking up, the body, like, floats out. Yep. And, and you just see the shadow. <laughs> he, he follows it in, and uh, he discovers all the cultists up there hailing him. Like, they're all down on their knees. There's, like, cultists out in the woods, too. Oh, yeah. It's Just, like, creepy. hanging out. Yeah, it's very creepy. And uh, Joan kind of, like, leads him around. Uh, his his mother, his grandmother, and his sister's bodies are there, all hailing to... Headless. The headless... Praying. Uh, yeah, or, they're or bowing. To this uh, statue of Payman, who is Charlie's head on yeah. it. I would love, like, an art book of this movie. <laughs> a crown is placed on his head, and <coughs> he's given this staff, and they say, uh, hail, all hail, hail Lord payment. payment. And we see this shot that is almost like an outside perspective of a miniature shot of these people surrounding him. Mm-hmm. And that was something that I felt, felt was important, is the movie starts with the treehouse, and it ends with the treehouse. Oh, yeah. Very weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's the movie. That's, yeah. Huh. What do you... What do you want to rate this movie out of this week? Heads. How many heads are you giving this out of five? Five. Okay. And why? Um, if it wasn't obvious, I really love this movie. Um, I even recently kind of realized this is like my favorite modern horror movie. Um, like of all time, but like I, I'm separating that with modern because I still have love for like a lot of like the classics too. But like out of like movies since I I would say like since 2000, um, or at least 2010, it's like my favorite. Um, the cinematography is all done really well. This movie was written fantastically. I had to watch the movie like three times and listen to a podcast to fully get it, which. I'm not mad about that. It was more, like, fun. Because, like, the movie was so good, it made it worth watching again and again. So, like, this movie's got rewatch value, and it's... it's. I just think it's good. 
you see a lot of cool horror stuff that a lot of people don't play with and it's the kind of stuff that I like like shit just in the background shit uh, stuff making it look like like you're not sure if it's there or not but it is yeah and like that I think I like that stuff because I'm like dude somebody gets it like somebody gets what like I scare myself with like on a fucking daily basis even as an adult like ever since I was a kid I kind of I guess in a sense I'm like scared of the dark because of stuff like that but like I don't know. It's just. Well, it's the idea. It's of, the fear of the unknown. It's it's not you're afraid of the dark. You're afraid of what's in the dark. Yeah. You know. Right. You're in your. But house. aren't I kind of like compacted into being ultimately afraid of the dark because of what may be in it? Uh, but that's the idea, right? Is you're you're not afraid of the darkness. You're afraid of what's in the darkness. Sure. It's it's the inherent unknown. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, I give this movie a five as well. I mean, this nice. is obviously I own the movie. I have the Blu-ray. I said that earlier. I love this movie. Um, Ari Aster is a gem. Mm-hmm. And I want to see more from him for sure. It's it's hard because I did kind of compare Midsummer to Hereditary watching it. I don't think that's fair though. It's a totally different thing, but it's the same kind of like articulate like architecture to it. To the kind of movie it is and what it is. Yeah, I agree. Um, Sorry, I didn't mean to like steal the spotlight from you. Um, Ari Aster, this is his first movie. I, I think the, like major movie. Yeah, full movie, full, full movie, length movie. Sure. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think that the. I think, you know, this is funny, I'm going to give a little bit of a review here on Midsummer because it is relevant, and you saying that kind of makes me feel like I should actually say something to the defense of that movie, because there's a misunderstanding I think people have with that movie. Mm-hmm. It is not the sophomore slump. No. It is... It's a different movie. It's a very different film, and I think that if he hadn't put this movie out, people would have really enjoyed Midsummer in a way that they didn't get to. Because of something that you and I talk about a lot, which is expectation. Yeah, and for me, it was that I was like, oh, what's going to be the crazy supernatural thing in Midsummer? Well, it wasn't. It was just these people's culture. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I think Ari Aster's a real gem. It was culture shock. He's he's doing something with horror that I I adore. Um, Mm -hmm. He's really, like, he cares about the genre, and that's very apparent. Yeah. And, And actually, there are two quotes, both on the the box for this movie that I want to read because I think they both very uh, accurately sum up my feelings toward this movie. Okay. So the first one on the front's from Time Out, New York. They say, this generation's the exorcist, but heads will spin more savagely. Yeah. Which I 1,000% agree with. I agree too. Um, and then on the back, uh, we have USA Today said, a modern day horror masterpiece. Yeah. And I think that that is the <laughs> best way to sum this film up. It, yeah. it is a modern day horror masterpiece. Um, I think that it, I think that it's unfair to The Exorcist to compare these two movies because this movie like comparing opinion, it to The Exorcist. Yeah, I think it's unfair to The Exorcist because The Exorcist doesn't perform on the same level that this movie does. Uh, I mean, I would argue for its time in a different way it did. Sure, but but I'm saying and that like this visually is coming, at and least. this is coming from me and I try to be like contextual with a lot of things. Yeah. I still think that this movie's the better movie. I think this movie's the more yeah. the more successful movie 
it's more successful in presenting its idea um, and showing that it's kind of it's it's more thought provoking. Mm-hmm. You know, religious religious stuff is easy to play with, but it's hard to play with in a way that makes you think. I have an interesting movie I want us to do now. It's another movie that it's kind of a favorite of mine, but there's something about it that I kind of hate. Oh, interesting. Um, but I think I'll make us do it maybe next season. I'll ask you after uh, we get off mic. That is the that on that. It's a great movie. It's five out of five. Would you recommend it? Yeah, everybody. <laughs> Me and too. That's, and that, that's what I wanted to bring up about the family drama thing from the beginning is I think that you could still probably recommend this movie to people that watch like family drama type movies. I don't think you have to be a horror fan to like this movie. I would give them a uh, pun intended heads up, but I would argue that if they don't like horror, they won't watch it or they shouldn't, or they wouldn't like it. Oh, I think that this, I think that because, it would be like, more impactful if they don't. I tried to get to uh, get my sister to watch it with me cause she hasn't seen it. And she's like, yeah, I'll watch it, but I don't want to watch it during the day because it's not scary. She's like, I want to watch it at night. And I was like, oh, well. And then my grandma was there, and she's like, oh, if you guys are going to watch a scary movie, I'm out. And, like, that's the thing. And she likes probably, like, family drama shit. She likes Downton Abbey, you know? So, but, like... Um, but here's what I'm going to say. I'm gonna I don't know if that's you, a family drama, but, like, you know what I mean? It's like... <laughs> I'm going to argue with your sister, though, and... Uh, which is funny, because your sister sort of validates what you said about watching it at night the other night. How you were like, I wish I hadn't watched this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well... I don't think that you have to watch the movie at night for it to be I know, but she scary. was just being... She <laughs> No, but listen, though. I think that she is doing what a lot of horror fans do, where you want to set the mood because it helps with the ambience. This movie isn't that kind of horror movie. Well, the part there, of it was also that... There is some of that, but that's not all that it is. And the horror in it is a lot deeper than that. Part of it was also that... Uh, the way my mom's house is, the sun is always hitting the window sure, sure. and even closing the blinds, like it's still not completely dark. And sure. so you get some glare and still stuff to my too. point. A lot of horror fans do say, Oh, you got to watch a horror movie at night in the dark. It's yeah. gotta be, I don't think so. I think this movie is successful in the day. I this think it's a horror film through and through. <laughs> I think it all depends on the TV you're watching it on and like where the glare's at. Watch it on a tube TV yeah. with, outside. Yes. Under the sun. Get the old rabbit ears out. I do recommend this movie uh, to everybody. I don't care. Five heads from us. Both of us. This is... It's funny because this season has been some of like our favorite movies. Yeah, kind of. Uh, but maybe that we didn't realize were some of our favorite movies. Or just didn't know yet. That's fair too, yeah. Yeah. Mandy. Uh, with you. Uh, <laughs> so that's a that on that. Make sure to go follow us on Instagram and Twitter at WAWWT. Pod. Yeah, if you're not already, subscribe to us on the iTunes app, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, CastBox. We're on all the things. Yeah, we are. So uh, make sure to tune in next week when Zach finds a pair of magic jeans and Sean accidentally kills his friend with a jawbreaker. Wow. Hail, Hail Pyman. Pyman. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, 55 minutes in, you can steer